welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, beautiful. Fancy meeting you here today. We have been having some conversations over on Instagram stories, as we are wont to do on a near daily basis, specifically doing some COVID check-ins over the last few weeks. I had two things that were really on my heart, and as I have seen over the last few months, as I've shared more vulnerably while we've been going through this pandemic, that when something is happening in my life, it tends to be that we all relate on it. That's always been true of this community, but I think specifically because we are going through this more collective experience with the pandemic, sometimes when I'm just having a harder day personally, it now feels less like an isolated thing and more like I should go on and share about this because you're probably going to flood my DMs back with, oh my gosh, I so relate. This is where I'm at. I think that's probably true at all times. It just gives me extra permission during this season to do it because it's so easy for me to picture these things that we have in common. While we also, FYI, have a lot of things different, and we'll talk about that later in this episode, but two things that I had shared about. Number one was the the fact that we're in this season of really holding our breath. In the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. I can't stop crying. I don't even know how to orient myself to what's happening. This feels like we're in a movie, and yet this is real life. And these news reports are so horrific, and oh my goodness. And now that we are, you know, four or so, five, I don't even know, lost track, months into this, and specifically for Jeremy and I, because we were out of New York for many months and trying to figure out how to get back, I may be behind some of you, the, the majority, in terms of our kind of daily life and getting into normal rhythm just happened for us in you know, mid-June and July. So now there's this sense of it's been months and also we're now back in New York and we're not trying to figure out where we want to live and what's safe. And okay, this is just normal life, this pandemic thing. And how long are we doing this for? Because... Um, yeah, how exactly does this end? And um, guys, I gotta say, I made I made the, I made the cardinal mistake on on Instagram. I used the V word, not the F word or the B word or any of those other words that people shouldn't use. I used the V word. I used the word vaccine. And you guys, you're real angry elves, some of you, about the vaccine. Um, that was just like, you know, letting out a storm of fire hands. Um, and my point, as always, was not to say, you know what would be great for us to do? Let's have a one-sided argument over here um, about medicine and what you should ingest in your body. <laughs> That'd be a great topic of conversation, guys. No, the point was, and I was saying, if it's not the vaccine, I don't really know what it is, guys, but however this ends, and you can have your own opinions, however you think this story ends, but right now, we don't know where this story ends. We don't know when or how, and even if you're like, the vaccine is the answer, well, how long is that going to take, and once it's actually here, how how does it get disseminated, and then how does it work, and then what if not everybody takes it, and yada, yada, we got a million questions there. It's not like one day we're going to wake up, and in a, in a movie, everyone would go out onto the streets, and they'd be like, they found the cure, and everyone from Pleasantville would go outside, and we'd raise our arms, and we'd hug each other, you know, it's like, in the movies, it's like, the war is ended, you know, the telegram comes through, the the 
enemy has surrendered and the war is over and there's a homecoming parade. I I don't think we have that. (laughs) If we do, we don't know when it is. We don't know how it is. But likely it may not even be that. So I'm sort of adjusting to, whew, there is so much unknown. (laughs) It's been unknown for a few months. But it's sort of just that, like, it's like my family's in California. They've been in lockdown since the beginning of like four or five months now. It's not getting any better. It's only getting worse. We didn't imagine that this could be the case. So how do we handle, that was kind of our first conversation, was was saying, I'm aware what it is for me as Jeremy and I try to figure out where we'll be for the winter and my sister is pregnant and when we, will we get to see the baby and what are we going to do for the holidays and what's safe for my parents and... I know the things for me, but I was like, you all have things for you. So I'm curious what the things are for you. And I'm actually going to share those in the PS of this episode um, because I really, I I feel in such a privileged place that I get to hear so many stories. It allows me to have such better empathy. Um, And I really sometimes from the responses I get, I think maybe all the people around you are going through a similar experience to you or think just like you and so you don't have maybe as much diversity of like oh my gosh look at all that we're really going on so I want to share that with you but the second conversation that we have is how I am aware pre aside from COVID I am in the slowest time of my life and business yeah just my life I've never been so slow as I have since about March 1. And it feels amazing. It feels as good as I imagined. And I have worked for the nine years of my business to get here. And I hustled for, you know, however many years of my musical theater career before that. And that I always worked hard in school. And so everything has been this kind of you know, wave going forward to want more success, to want more impact, to want more accomplishment, to want to experience more of life. And I think just reaching that crest of burnout and still feeling so far from what I really wanted to accomplish over the last five years, maybe, there's just been this this slow process of I realize that I need to slow down to have more of the success that I want, to have my life feel more of the way that I want it to feel. I need to be more of an essentialist. I need to do less. I need to cull and peel back and simplify. And that has been my process of what I came to call elegant excellence and what became the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal. You know, one of my favorite books is Essentialism by Greg McCowan that has been so life-changing for me. But this has been years of peeling that back and really getting to the point of this, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Not as in like some utopian perfection, but like this is the slowest. And I made some really hard, scary choices in 2019 to get here and it was worth it. And yet, then on top of that, we've got covid which for some of us, like myself, is even slower. I don't have kids that I'm juggling at home. I'm not scrambling to try to find a job. Uh, You know, I'm incredibly blessed in those ways. It's that I don't have travel. I don't have church on Sundays. I don't have social plans. Um, I don't really have a lot going on in my week, you know? I'm pretty much just here in my house, and that's about it. I I don't go to get my hair done. I don't go to get facials. I don't just, when you start to add up all those little things that you're scheduling, you're traveling to get there, you're making appointments, you're adding onto your to-do list that you need to make that appointment. 
or that you need to pay that bill from that doctor's visit. I'm just not even doing any of those things. I used to go to the dentist all the time when I had Invisalign. I'm just like, you know what? I can pause that. I don't need to go to the dentist right now. So there's just so much less that I'm doing. And yet I'm aware that feeling busy or behind or overwhelmed or unproductive or resentful at how much you have or guilty for how much, you you know, resentful for how much is on your list or guilty for how much you, you still haven't gotten off your list. It isn't about, it's not just about the list and the things. It's about the mindset beneath it. It is about the things and the actions, but even as we peel away more of those actions, you know, wherever you go, you take yourself with you. <laughs> wherever you go, there you are. So the mindset that gets us into the place where we overcommit and we do too many things and we fill our plate, we take those actions because of thoughts that we have. And even as we simplify and we peel back the actions, the thoughts are still there. The scarcity, the judgment, all of that. So I've been really checking in with myself over the last few weeks. Can I really rest over a weekend? Can I really do very little things, checking them off my list that make me feel productive? Because that's usually been, for as long as I can remember, those are Jeremy and I's weekends. I can't even really remember what we did before we started wedding planning. Like it... I don't know. Maybe I've just blocked it out. I can't really remember what life was like before that. But for for a year and a half of our life, every single weekend was wedding planning. And then we moved, right, soon after our wedding. So then it was constantly having stuff to do for the for the home, for the apartment. And that didn't end for all that many months before we left for Mexico and then COVID broke out. And so I'm realizing I've known for a long time how much our weekends were about How much can we get done? How much can we check off the list? Or occasionally saying, let's not do anything today. Let's give ourselves a free day. But it's this awareness of, oh yeah, the list is still there. So I'm really checking in now and saying, I mean, if this is the slowest I've been in my business and personal life, I'm not planning a wedding, I'm not moving, I'm not having a baby, I've simplified my business, and on top of it, there's really not a whole lot going on because I'm sheltering at home then let me be aware that I am still wrestling with a, 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 a guilt around lack of productivity, a, a yearning to check more stuff off the list, a disappointment that I'm not getting more done. And for me, that's really been a wake-up call. And you may not be at that point right now, but I want to give you some insight from that because I imagine if you're not there right now, you're daydreaming about being there. And that's how I was for years. I thought one day I will be at this place where I will have all of this less stuff and it will be so much more spacious and it will be better. And it is. And there are still the thoughts beneath it. So we can learn from those thoughts even if right now you feel that you're in a very busy season. These thoughts will make it more pleasurable right now in the busy season or in the busy life. And they will better help get you to this place of more spaciousness. So what my kind of fresh aha was that my personal to-do list will always exist. The goal is not to reach the end of my to-do list, but to be comfortable with its existence 
not as a commentary on my lack of productivity or having done enough. I had this aha for myself in business years ago. I've talked about this in teaching the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal and Elegant Excellence that for a long time, I had the belief I would reach the end of my to-do list. Everything that I knew in business that I could implement. Every, you know, you can grow your Pinterest and you should start a YouTube channel and you can work on your SEO. And I thought, I've learned all these things and I will get to the end of that list and then I will hire a business coach. Like then I will get some sort of next level help because I'll be at the end of my own ideas. And one of my ahas was realizing that that list is never going to be there. That's I, I'm putting off once I once I hustle hard enough, then there will be this new season. And I finally realized I, and I that that is a flawed way of thinking because it says that I can work faster, then my brain can have new ideas, then new opportunities can come my way, then my taste level, my perfectionism level will rise. And that's just completely unrealistic. I'm never going to be able to work harder and faster than I have new ideas, that new opportunities come up, or then I look around and I have a new way I want to make something better. You know, you might like your closet, but then you have a hankering for a new some new clothes. You like your home. And then one day you look at it and you're like, you know, what if we painted the walls in here? You like your website. And then one day you're like, I wonder if we need a new logo. I mean, your brain is always going to be coming up with ways to make the things in your life better. Your clothes, your skin, your, you know, losing five more pounds, making your arm a little bit more taut, like anything that's in your physical body, your home, your business, your creativity, you're always going to be having new ideas to make it better. And there's going to be a brand new idea that you're like, you know what I really want? I want a garden. I never, I didn't even think I wanted a garden. I want a garden. Suddenly you got a whole new idea of a, of a garden. I want to learn French. Suddenly you got a whole new idea of a thing. And then an opportunity. Someone's like, would you like to speak at this? Would you like to run this committee? Would you like to be a part of this book club? Would you like to take this trip to come be at my wedding? I mean, those opportunities are going to come up. So we have this fallacy that we've completely set ourselves up for failure when we think it's that if I can work hard enough, I can get I can get on top of this where I am stronger and better and smarter <laughs> and more proud of myself and I have kind of I have I have dominance over the list. And it, and when we don't have that, it feels like there is this avalanche on top of us. That is a mindset shift. Because all of those things are good. There are creativity and our taste and the blessing of opportunity and growth and new ideas. And that, that made sense to me when I had that aha in my business. But in my personal life, I think it's taken me longer to realize there will always be more people I could call, more notes I could write, more more baby gifts I could buy, more shelves in my home that I could reorganize, more photos that I could print, more necklaces that I could take to the jeweler, more dresses that I could take to the tailor to be fixed. I mean, I imagine you empathize that you have so many tiny little things on your list and it just, there is this dream of, if I could just get all of that stuff off, then it's going to be glorious. And this, I, I'm going to repeat it again, this aha, if my mindset shifts to the to-do list will always exist. 
My goal is not to hustle hard enough and be proud of myself for crushing the list. Because the moment that I finish off the list, the next day, three more things are going to pop up in the list. Because I'm going to run out of paper towels and then I'm going to have to reorder those. And then I, a, a tooth is going to crack and I'm going to have to make a dentist appointment. And then, do you know what I mean? Like the things are going to pop up again the next day. So it's not about crushing the list and, and checking it off as much as we love the to-do list. The goal is to be comfortable with it existing, not as a measure of whether I have done enough. So being very aware of this for myself on my evenings and my weekends when I'm not at work, um, you know, I've gotten better at it at work, but now I'm noticing I've got all this spaciousness during COVID. And so I'm just really being aware of it. I had this COVID check-in chat to, um, to say to y'all, how are you guys feeling? Because early on in COVID, there was this productivity Olympics. And we did an episode on how to get over your uh, guilt during quarantine. I will link that below. There was such pressure to kind of have this productivity Olympics of all the things we were going to do during this little window of time that we had. And I think that's partially where my thought process is these days is the productivity Olympics came out of a scarcity that this was only going to last for six weeks. And this was your six weeks of slowness. So you better figure out now how to learn French and how to get a banging bod and how to cook the banana bread and all the things. And now we're like, what if this is what if this is happening for a a year or a, a year and a half? Like I don't want to say it too loudly and you know put it into being, but what if what if this is going on for a while? <laughs> Suddenly there isn't this scarcity of oh my gosh I got to take advantage of this slow season. You're like oh this is kind of life. So I said, how many of you are feeling less productive during COVID? One of the like what you're struggling with is I I feel guilty. I'm having more productivity guilt because I'm actually getting less done. The narrative is I'm supposed to be getting more done and have more spaciousness. And for some people like Hillary, that's true. But I'm feeling guilty that I'm getting less done. 60% of you raised your hand on Instagram stories. I said, for me, I am instead kind of feeling this like possibility and permission and space. Like I'm accepting now that this slowness is going to go on for a while and I'm wanting to sink in and explore it and kind of take advantage of that. I said, who else can relate to that? 60% of you raised your hand and said, yes, I also get that. And then I also acknowledge that, and I've been very aware from the beginning, there are stories in in COVID that we are not living. Whether And I said, how many of you just feel in total panic? That's your prime emotion right now is you have been unemployed this whole time. You have, you know, someone in your home that is immune compromised. You just, you know, your your wedding is right around the corner and you don't know whether or not to cancel. Like that is the all-consuming feeling is just this panic because of COVID. 30% of you raised your hand for that. So overall, then I said, okay, out of those three options, which one is the strongest for you? You're wrestling with the productivity guilt. You're feeling some peace and permission actually in the opportunity of this season, or you're in total panic. 20% of you are in total panic, 40% productivity guilt, 40% peace and permission, which when you compare it to the people who raised their hands earlier, the percentages were higher when I just said yes or no, does this speak to you? Which means that a good percentage of us are feeling more than one of these things. Like, yes, I am feeling panic. It might not be the primary thing, but it's there. Or I am feeling 
possibility, but I'm simultaneously feeling guilt at less of productivity. So again, in today's PS, I'm going to share those stories of uh, where you're at because I asked you for more details and I think that that's so fascinating to help us empathize and understand with where everyone is. But in the midst of that story, I asked another question kind of as a baseline because I'm asking, do you feel that you're being less productive in quarantine? Are you feeling lack of, are you feeling guilty that you aren't more productive? But then I said, what about just outside of COVID? If this, if pandemic wasn't happening, do you just feel guilt at being unproductive on the regular? Do you feel guilty for not accomplishing more right now? And it's not necessarily based on coronavirus. You're like, I'm just beating myself up for lack of productivity. 80% of you said yes. That wasn't the point of the story to me, but it was the number that shocked me that I've been thinking about ever since. Because first off, if 80% of us are feeling guilt, shame, and failure over something, it means it can't be true, right? Like, there's, it's just highly unlikely that 20% of us are really living well, doing life better, crushing this whole adulting thing, and the other 80% of us are just woefully sucking and can't get our acts together, right? Like, if you look around you, would you say out of, um, you know, out of your five closest friends, four of them are just a disaster. They should just really be embarrassed. They are just, they're not accomplishing anything. They're not living up to anything. You just look at them and think like, what are they doing with their lives? <laughs> I mean, it's just not practical that 80% of us are being horribly unproductive. Are 80% of us just like binging the Kardashians from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m.? I don't think so. So to me, the real issue is not that you need to be more productive. That's where your guilt, shame, and failure is coming from. What you're telling yourself is, I need to be more productive. I'm not accomplishing enough. I'm so disappointed in myself for not achieving, producing, being, doing more. I believe that is not the issue. The issue is not that you are not productive enough. The real core in my humble opinion, having studied this extensively for many years while I beat myself up and continuing to overanalyze it for my own self and sanity these days, is three things. Decide to do less things, be less of a perfectionist, and spend less time on apps. That's literally it. We need to do less things, be less of a perfectionist about them, and spend less time on apps. It's not about working faster. Unless it's against perfectionism. And the, the, the reason you need to work faster is that you are way overanalyzing that small task. Whether it's what height to hang that painting above your bed. Or this tiny little detail for your wedding. Or this every single email that you send out for your business. Sometimes it's about working faster. Not meaning that we sprint and hustle our way through life. Just meaning we, we let the small stuff go. We're just like, I, I, if, if I look back at the amount of time that took me, I'm going to be like, ye gads, that was too much time to spend on that project. It's not about working faster. Unless that's against perfectionism, the reason that you need to work faster is because you're like, I, I spent an hour working on this tiny little detail and I needed to let that go. But that's about being less of a perfectionist, having more 
grace and ease and palms up. It's not about working faster, that I need to sprint through life and I need to hustle and I just need to blitz more often. This is not an issue of our stamina, our endurance. Like I just, if I could just be faster throughout my day, then I would, you know, hit the, my head would hit the pillow feeling more proud of myself. It's not about working harder. So many studies have shown that we have a limited capacity for the amount of hours we can do our top line work, that we can invest our our mental capacity in something. Our brains just don't work at level 10 for 12 hours a day, seven days a week. So it is probably not possible for you to work harder. I think you know, if you're the tiny percentage of people here that are just super slothful, you're just lazy. You really aren't working that hard. You are watching the Kardashians 12 hours a day. But I'll be honest, if you are, you never DM me. You're not in my mastermind. I never hear from you that your real guilt is that you're just such a lazy person. (laughs) You are working hard. It's that you're beating yourself up for not working harder. It's not about muscling our way through more. It's about working on things that light you up more or feeling more momentum from progress because you actually finished things instead of just starting them all halfway. And that makes you feel great. And so now you have a lighter energy to go and do the next thing. It's not about resting less. There are so many studies on burnout and how we need more sleep. So it is actually about being more well-rested. But I think our brain, when when you tap that yes button, you say, Hillary, I feel guilty that I'm not more productive. Is your instinct in your gut, so I got to work faster. I got to work harder. I just should push through a little bit more. I should work a little bit more into the evening. I should work a little bit once the kids go to sleep. I should, I should do a little bit more on Saturday. I should do a little bit more on Sunday. Is that where your mind is going to to solve the issue? In, in all my years of, of listening to you, that's what I hear. And I know that that was my instinct as well. But let's work backwards through these three things that I do believe can help instead. The, number three, which is the smallest in some ways, um, and yet also I think is a really big one, is spending too much time on apps. Now, I say apps, I think that's whatever it is for you. But I think most of us, It is our addiction to our phones, and there are some things on the phone that we spend so many hours on, and it's not a conscious use of time. That's really my big aha for myself, is that when I pick up my phone, I don't say, I am going to sit here for the next 90 minutes and just enjoy my phone. I I don't mean to do it. I pick it up and then I'm not conscious of it. And when I look up 90 minutes later, I'm like, what have I been doing? Where, oh my gosh, it's already 1.30. How did it get so late in the day? That's the difference. It's not about vilifying the things that are on the phone. It's the lack of intentional decision to, to be on them. So for me, my loop is Instagram, my news app, people.com, usweekly.com, rinse and repeat. I follow very few people on Instagram. I'm going to link the episode below on the uh, mindful Instagram challenge because truly I've been paying attention as I click around. There are so few people who follow few accounts on Instagram. 
I can think of two other colleagues that that follow very few people. Most people, when I click through your accounts, you're following 300, 600, 1,200 people. That is just an endless ability to scroll and keep consuming content. Well, most of those people you're not even seeing and the people that would give more value to your life, you're not seeing as frequently. So let that be a charge to you that I would highly encourage you to go through and just wildly slash. Like I try to stay around like 150 people. And granted, you know, within that, I've got some friends that are like barely ever post. They'll post four times a year. But when they do, I want to see it. So you've got those people you know, you've got your your family. But for the most part, I'm like, who am I really seeing from? I want to go more deeply and get more actual edifying content out of these people. And then I want to be like, I'm done. I've reached the end. I can't just scroll for days. But then I hop over to the explore feed and I realize, oh, I can go for forever on this explore feed. So that's like, a, you know, a, a new thing that I need to be aware of. There's so many kind of perils on these apps. But whatever it is for you, it is really being aware of how much we're on our phones, unaware that we just lost 30 minutes, an hour and a half, an afternoon, whatever it is. Because for me, this last weekend, I I, I talked about when I was in Arizona, I would make these big marker lists. A big marker list just means you get out a big marker. <laughs> And you take a piece of paper and you write in big letters that the things that you want to get done. And they might be they might be joyful things. They might be take a walk, take a nap, um, have S-E-S-E-X, um, you know, whatever it is that you're like, these are things they don't have to necessarily just be, you know, we want to clean the patio and we want to go buy a new plant. Like they can be any of the, I want to call my dad, any of the things. I put them on there for the weekends and then Jeremy and I can look at them together. And it really helps us where he, by, you know, sometimes by Saturday afternoon, I'm like, oh, I just already feel so behind this weekend. And I'm kind of melting down. And he's like, I didn't even know we had stuff to do this weekend. What what was the expectation? So it kind of allows us to to have this shared list to be like, hey, there. if we can check some things off here together, we'll feel good. And maybe it's him encouraging me to do things. Maybe it's him being like, hey, I saw call your dad on there. I think I'm going to go call my parents if you want to call your dad. It's like, OK, great. Like, I'm checking something off the list. Um, I initially made these in Arizona to sort of be like, what all can we do this weekend? Like it was just that there was so little to do that I would be like, float in the pool, read a book. Like I was just looking for like, look, I did something today. I did things that made me happy. I didn't just do, quote, nothing all day. But now that I have these, it what I've realized is that in Arizona, I had very little to do. There was, there just weren't even errands to run. Um, there weren't, I don't know. It just was even more spacious. So I was putting on things like float in the pool and read a book to kind of focus on having something. Now there's more things on the list because we would like to get the plan and I'd like to take my computer in to get looked at. And like there's, you know, things are creeping up a little bit more, even though it's still slow during COVID. And so this weekend, I got very few things done on the list, but I self-coached myself and verbal process with Jeremy through the weekend. I checked in. Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, Sunday midday. And I would say, you know, I'm not getting, I haven't checked a lot of things off the list, but I feel good about how I'm spending my weekend. I'm doing things that are restful or edifying. And I it hit me on Sunday night that I said to him, you know, it's that I wasn't on my phone. I was okay not checking off the things and getting 
and being so quote unquote productive because I see the value of rest and joy and spaciousness as long as I wasn't beating myself up that I just frittered it away on dumb stuff. Because instead it was like we had friends over, I met a girlfriend in the park, we ended up hanging out for like six hours. I listened to an audiobook as research for my style book. I listened to the t- new Taylor Swift album. I did a bunch of organization in my office. Like it was, you know, restful productivity, stuff that was joy or life-giving. And that ability to not beat myself up really came in part from I didn't fritter the time away on my phone. I've used the word fritter twice. Is there any other use of the word fritter other than in the phrase fritter away? Other than like, I think there's a food called a fritter. We'll have to look that up later. So number three to me would be spending too much time on our apps, whatever that is for you. We, we know about addiction to our devices, but I think to me, the big thing to start realizing is when do I look up and I didn't realize that I had made that intent that choice with my time? And do I need to list out other things that would bring me joy? Do I need to use Hillary's big marker list? Because then I can see other options. The addiction to the phone makes me go to that first. When the other options of puzzle and nonfiction book and take a walk are there, I choose that instead and then I'm not immediately going to my phone. Number two is be less of a perfectionist. If you look back on how much time you spent on a certain task, was it too much time? Because I think the issue here, similar to the previous point, is that we don't consciously choose to obsess. Like the apps and the phone, it happens without our clear awareness. For for me, I was working on some shelves in my office and some some photos that I wanted to print to go with the shelves, et cetera. And if I really looked back and was like, here's how much time it took you to look for the frames and choose the photos, you'd be like, there is no way that I'm going to spend two and a half hours on that task. That would be preposterous. But when the task starts, I don't expect it to be that hard. I don't think I'm being that much of a perfectionist about the frames. I'm just looking for some frames. I don't think I'm being that much of a perfectionist about the photos. I just need some black and white photos. But the time adds up more than I realize. And I say this in my Creative Business Accelerator course to those students where I give them projected timelines as they create and launch their product to say, I want you to put a timer on. You have 30 minutes to decide which website platform you're going to go with. Because I've got people that are, re- that are waffling on that for 30 days and then they haven't moved their business forward. You get 30 minutes and then you make a choice and you just move forward. And it might not be the perfect choice and you might change your mind down the road, but you're going to figure it out way better than if you sat there and just, just overanalyze the port of it. So simple example of this, I spent $24 printing off photos Okay, that was probably $14 more than I needed to spend because I just couldn't decide on some of these photos or I edited them and then I uploaded and I couldn't remember which one I did first. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just saving the time by not over obsessing it. It's fine. It's $14. I'm going to place the order. Yes, I'm going to have four photo options for one frame and I'll choose them when they get there. But that $14 was worth buying back that, you know, hour on my Sunday evening to just go and be present and enjoy the sunset on my balcony. But it's that those little things where we aren't conscious that we are going to go down the rabbit hole for two and a half hours 
on this thing. And I think we do this so often in our lives, whether it's in our business or in our personal life. And it's really just wake, it's growing the muscle that you wake up afterwards and go, that was a long time that I just spent on that. It's not that I'm still going to beat myself up. I'm just going to increase my awareness. Home tasks can take me a long time. Writing an email in my business can take me a long time. Editing a photo for Instagram can take me a long time. I want it to take less. What would that look like? What could I put into place? What could I, could I think about it the next time before I open the app? Okay, girl, listen. Normally when you go to film an IGTV, you let yourself film it four times and you become too much of a perfectionist. You're going to film it one time. And it's only going to be 80% as good as it could be, but that's going to be enough. But for me, I have to give myself the pep talk before I go in because once you're sucked into the perfectionism vortex, that's the well-worn habit groove in your brain. Your brain is used to editing that photo for forever, refilming the IG stories a bunch of times. I, yesterday, a girlfriend said to me um, that she, when she leaves a voice message, she a uh, voicemail. She'll re-record it like five times before she actually. She's like, oh, I, I could have said that better. She'll just be like, cancel, redo, cancel, redo. I wanted to be like, girl, the last three voicemails you've left me, I haven't even listened to because I don't really listen to voicemails. I just call you back. And here on her end, she's recording them again, and again, and again to be perfect. I love her. She's one of my best friends. I don't need the perfect voicemail from her. And we do those things so often that it just becomes whenever I leave a voice message, I got to do it five times. That becomes the habit groove. And we aren't even realizing it took me 15 minutes just to make a phone call and I didn't even talk to the person. And then finally, number one, the biggest one is we need to decide to do less things. We need to choose that we are going to do less things. Not work harder or faster or rest less so that we can do more things. It's that we need to choose to do less things. The Elegant Excellence Goals Journal is this constant process of whittling for me. If you do not yet have that, we will be coming out with them again in the fall. Be sure to – I will – highlight this right now and put the link below. Be sure to hop on the waitlist for that if you are not yet. That process, that that journal came out of pages I had created for myself, workshops that I would teach at the beginning of the year and halfway through the year. And that process, I have now gotten to the place where I have so many less goals and dreams. Not because my life is small and sad, because I've chosen less but better. I've chosen the right ones to prioritize that have gotten me to this place. And it is just a constant peeling of layers for deeper clarity, really getting to the core of what matters most to us, what is going to move the needle that's really going to make our life feel the way that we want it to feel, and realizing we just have so much opportunity in life. We have so much abundance. If you are listening to this podcast, you are in a blessed place where you have so much abundance of options and opportunity that like a kid in a candy store, we just say yes to all the things and we don't even realize we're doing it because everybody else around us is doing it too. It's just the norm. But I've realized things like, you know, like not letting your home decor go on and on and on. There's so many things in your life that could never be done. You just could never, like, you're like, I'm going to spend the entire time I have until my wedding planning, and I'm just going to keep making it more and more complex with more and more details. The whole time until the baby comes, I'm going to be researching and getting new things and buying more products and making the nursery more perfect, as opposed to if the baby came two months early, you just have to let all that stuff go, right? So why not make a choice now to just let the nursery be lighter, to just 
you know, like get a recommendation on something and order that thing and just be okay that that's the stroller that you're going with instead of, you know, spending two months, whatever it is that we just decide to let let more go, that I'm not going to you know, try to get to the bottom of my personal to-do list or my business ideas list. For me, what has helped with this is the process of the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, where I'm really getting more clear on what actually matters. Jeremy and I actually sat on bench in the park on Saturday, and I kind of walked him through this process. He has a couple of business things that he's sort of waffling between. And I said, like, you know, Honey, as um, as the really wise creator of the Elegant Excellence Journal once said to me, <laughs> I was like, here's the process of doing this. And we just kind of said, like, what's going to give your life more value? What's the end goal of that? What's the real ROI? And when he's been sort of, you know, straddling two or three things, suddenly I came out to the kitchen the next day and he's like powered through working on one of them to be like, okay, because we went through the whole story and we chose, he chose the one that actually made the most sense. So that it is that big picture. And then it's also on the, the, the micro level of things like writing everything down so that our brain rests. That's a huge thing for me. I have a project management app. And it is on my phone and it could be 10 o'clock at night and I'm in bed and I'm like, oh, right, I need to order that thing. And I roll over and I put it on the list. Everything goes onto that list to me. But then it's not about getting to the end of the list. It's about making some things out of sight, out of mind. That's why when you're going through the Ellie Next on Schools Journal, which this is not meant to be a commercial for it, but I created it for a reason because I've been on this quest for so many years. And to me, a tangible planner, you're uh, you're constantly having to rewrite and move your goals over from one month to the next, from one week to the next. You constantly are faced with this visual of look at all the ways you failed, Emma. Sarah, look at all the things that are still on this list. Gosh, what did you even do this week? You know, like that is no, that's not a place to work from because you're going to have put more stuff on the list every single week than you were actually going to get through. So by having them in a virtual place, it allows me to, to drag and drop things into lists and hide them of here's a million amazing business ideas. Here's a ton of personal things that I want to get to at some point. Like I've said on here before, I've, I haven't legally changed my, my married name. And someone was like, uh, wrote to me actually recently to ask, like, why is that? And I was like, I, I legit just haven't. I, I don't even want to say I haven't had time. I've chosen not to prioritize it over other things. Because the, the reality is it doesn't affect my life. It's what's on my credit card and my passport. But other than that, it doesn't matter to you what my legal name is, what, what I put on Instagram, what I put on my email signatures. No, no, when I go to, even if I go to write my book and it's not my legal last name, no one's going to be upset about it. It's not going to, it literally only matters to me when I see my credit card. And that's just not a big enough reason for me to go through the whole hoopla at this point of getting it changed because I just let that stuff go to say what matters more is that I reorder the paper towels because that feels like, you know, a, a bigger pain point today. So it's it's writing them out so that your brain is not remembering them. That is key. But then it is hiding them. It is getting them out of sight, out of mind, so that on a daily basis, you're not looking at the 99 things you should do. Instead, it's prioritizing them and saying, you know what? And I always, I've said this for years, like it's the, the value of trips to me so often, which I know none of us can, can, I shouldn't say none of us, few of us can do or we can't do as often or in the way that we normally would. But 
you, you've proven to yourself that you can do this because when you've booked that ticket to Hawaii and you have the whole list of things, but you're leaving in 24 hours, things start coming off the list, right? You were like, oh, I also wanted to get my eyes checked before we left. You're like, yep, that's not happening. You're like, I also wanted to buy a visor, but I, I didn't get to the store. Yeah, you know, I'll just get what we get there. Oh, I forgot to pick up sunscreen. Yeah, we'll buy that when we get there. There's so much stuff that your your team's like, you didn't approve this email. You're like, it's fine. Just send it as it is. Like you, you the, the clock is ticking. There's a deadline and you realize you let all this other stuff go. But when there is no deadline and when it's all there, we just beat ourselves up for the fact that we're not getting it done. So by putting it, you know, out of sight, out of mind and saying, okay, how many hours do I have to get stuff done this week? What would be, what's my higher and lower priority list? And then the lower priority list, I just drag down to the bottom of my project management app. So it's there, but I just very rarely scroll down there. And I just force myself to say, okay, of the things on this list, I, I put nine things on my priorities list. Well, which three are the top priority? Okay, of those three things, which one is the top priority? And it's by by prioritizing then we don't check off the things that were the easy wins, the, 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 the little, you know, grubbly bits things. And we're like, well, I did some stuff, but we haven't done the big thing. We haven't done the thing that feels hard or that we're afraid we're going to get rejected for or it was, you know, we feel guilty that we haven't done it yet. And so it's this constant process of getting ourselves to prioritize more. So those are a lot of miscellaneous action steps because I do not want to make it sound to you like this is a super simple thing. If it was, you're smart, you're smart and you're hardworking and you're amazing. So if this was super simple, you would already be doing it and you would have already figured it out. Here are three bigger picture tools that help me in the process to get there. One, is the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal. Why have I created a 300-page journal that accompanies us for six months of the year? Because there's a lot of unpacking to do in here. And ultimately, it is this process of prioritizing and whittling and getting clarity and you know how to practically organize our things, how to make more happen while feeling more proud of ourselves without you know, berating ourselves on the process to get there. So get that when that comes out. If you don't, If you don't already have it, if you do have it, use it. If you have it from the beginning of the year and you put it down, just pick it back up again. Don't beat yourself up for whatever the month is. Take a marker, cross it out, pick it back up and use it again. It is such a life shaper and a game changer. Number two, The Book Essentialism by Greg McCowan, one of my favorites. Um, And I've shared about it numerous times here on the podcast before. I think I've read it four or five times now. Every time it rocks my world. The reason, again, being, why would I still be using my own Elegant Excellence Goals Journal four or five years after I went on this? Why would I still be reading a book four or five times and having it rock my world? Because these are such deep-seated things. They are so countercultural. They are so not the way that the messages that we get. They are so deeply ingrained. This is a, a unpacking and a deep years process, which is why I'm not going to give you three super simple steps, nor am I going to make it sound like this is easy. Again, you're smart. You're talented. If this was a piece of cake, you would have done it already. And number three, the wand. I will link that episode below where we talk about this thought process that we walk ourselves through. And I, I do not do it in a formal way, as in I sit down and I write out the letters down the side of the page. And I walk myself through it. it. But sometimes I do that. And other times it's the shorthand and the muscle memory of knowing 
what is uh, of of talking myself through my thoughts of saying Saturday afternoon when I'm sitting on the bed culling through you know old magazines ripping out inspiration for the book listening to the new Taylor Swift album and Jeremy comes in and I verbally say to him like you know what I'm feeling really good about this day so far I haven't done these things, but you know what? I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I self-coach myself. I talk myself through my thoughts so that three hours later, I don't have a meltdown and beat myself up for the fact that I didn't get more stuff done. It is growing in that self-awareness and that ability to self-coach that is absolutely huge. So really those things to me are about research. The, The Elegant Excellence Goals Journal is about researching yourself and your past and your head and your heart to learn what actually works for you, makes you happy. It's about game planning. Again, in that journal saying, I'm going to I'm going to look at where I want to be in three years and how my choices today affect that as opposed to just constantly being frustrated and disappointed myself. It's also about education. That's what essentialism is. It's really learning on the big picture scale. Why do people struggle with this? Why do high achievers specifically struggle with this? Because the the crux there, and I said again, if you're listening to this podcast, you you are not in a third world country or a war-torn to, war nation. So it is the privilege of the fact that we have all of this opportunity that counterintuitively makes our lives feel overly full to the point that our abundance and our blessing makes us so physically uncomfortable in our lives because we've gorged ourselves on too much. And it is our daily thought patterns. And so what we talk about in the wand, it's realizing that it is the small thing, whether that is spending an hour and a half on Instagram unaware or spending two and a half hours trying to find the perfect uh, frame and the perfect photo or just not being consciously aware throughout your weekend and then having to melt down on Sunday night because you're disappointed with yourself with what you, you know, accomplished. So the biggest step is simply believing that this is not about your actions It's about your thoughts. That is the huge fundamental shift in which you realize my productivity guilt is not about my actions and what I do. It's about my thoughts and how I'm feeling, how my thoughts are making me feel. Because I can tell you, even if you do more or as you start to cull away and challenge yourself to do less, the thoughts will still be there. And you could work as hard as you can to get to the end of your list and tomorrow new things are going to pop up. So the list is always going to be there. How can we exist alongside it with a narrative to ourselves that says, I am perfectly enough and doing enough, even if the number at the bottom of that list never gets any smaller. So percolating on that alone will start to make this shift. This has taken me years but it is so worth it. It is intoxicating in the best way that I am just continuing to go deeper in it. It's not like I feel like I've reached some apex. I just feel like I'm seeing the fruit of my labor and I want more and more. And this is not also about having kind of a Zen yoga life. That's sort of my dream is like my life will just be so spacious and so chill. I, that, that may be the reality, but it also is about saying, My kids are at home. We've been distance learning for forever. I don't think they're going back in the fall. I'm losing my ish. And how do I have less productivity guilt? I let go of the perfectionism of their school. 
and of all the perfect activities they're going to do. And you know what? If in this year of their life, if they spent more time on screens, it's it's not going to ruin everything. We'll recalibrate when the world goes back to normal. They're not going to be a dysfunctional 32-year-old human because they spent some extra time, you know, on the computer from the year that they were seven and eight. Um, I'm going to let go on cooking dinner and having, you know, all the perfect perfect things or whatever it is it's it's I'm gonna feel less guilty about all these other areas of my life one of my single mom girlfriends was saying something about like kind of feeling a little bit guilty financially about like going out to eat and things like that and I was just like girl you are a single mama and you have been around your tween every single moment since March 13th you have no alone time except when one of you goes to the bathroom or to take a shower Like she's not old enough for you to even like leave her at home, you feel like, and go for a walk in your city. So like, girl, you get the wine, you get the dessert, you like, you let it, you know, give yourself the permission to say, this is not about me also having the perfect quarantine, quarantine body and having this be the time when we like really, you know, hone in on our budget. I'm going to give myself grace. I'm going to choose to do less. What I'm doing is keeping my business, my child and my sanity afloat. I'm going to let, I'm going to do less. I'm going to be more of an essential to be like, you know what? The little itty bitty budget saving and the like losing 10 pounds. Yeah, we're just, we're letting that go. The like never letting my kid get on the screen during the week. Yeah, we're just letting that go right now in this season. If you're an entrepreneur that's just trying to get by and you feel like you are hustling and life is so crazy, it's about doing less but better. It's not about the ideal of when it's all going to be so spacious and so easy. It's saying too, too get there, to have the sanity to get there and not burn out along the way, I'm not going to spread myself so thin. I'm not going to do 10 things at a level three. I'm going to do three things at a level 10. Is that hard to decide which things? Yes. Again, essentialism is not simple because our brain wants to say, but I have to do all the things, but I can't be okay with the 10 pounds, but I can't be okay that I'm not paying off my credit card debt, but I can't be okay that I'm not also going to launch my own podcast and all of these things. Like the brain wants to say that scream about the scarcity and say, I need all of the things. And we have to say like, listen, brain, it's not that I'm trying to have this super Zen life, but I just, I want to, I want to calm down on the guilt and shame. So I'm going to be an adult here and I'm going to let some things go. And I know you're going to scream like it's going to kill you, but it's not. It actually is fine. As soon as that sugar addiction releases, you realize it wasn't that big of an issue. You know, that's what everyone tells me, I guess. Actually, that's not true. I have, I, I, I myself eat less sugar over time. But if you had told me there was a time when I needed to give it up, I'd be like, what? I can't do that. But yeah, then you realize it wasn't as scary as you thought. And so too, when we start to let go of these other things in our lives. Or if you are slower now, it is sinking into that because there is even more depth. I am in this slow space and it is making me even more introspective to go deeper, to pass up and back knowledge for those of you that feel far from that. And even those of you that are with me that are like, I'm a little bit bored during quarantine. Everything feels so slow. So let's take this opportunity, not because it's scarce and it's going to disappear in a month, but simply because it's where we are right now to see what else can I can I learn from this? How can I go deeper into feeling less guilt, 
less shame, less pressure on myself. So I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts on this. If you will go leave a comment underneath my latest post on Instagram, whatever it is, whenever you see this, uh, let me know in those comments if you have any follow-up questions, um, if there was something that didn't, that felt uh, like it really resonated with you or that left you confused. And if you feel like this would speak to other people in your life, which considering the 80% of our audience resonated, I've got a feeling that 80% of your friends can resonate as well. I would be so honored if you would share it on Instagram stories and tag me so that I can see it. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is how many of your stories I get to hear. And I realize that I'm in a very blessed position because of the work that I do and specifically because of those of you that spend time with me on Instagram stories and reply to the surveys that I do there and the questions boxes and DM me, those of you that leave comments on my Instagram posts, those of you that are in my mastermind, I get to hear so many different stories of where we're at, which is amazing for me as a teacher because I can really know this community, but I also realize that it's just such a blessing for me as a human because I can picture where so many other people are at and I'm constantly able to hold space, have empathy, think of and consider as many of you as I can in the the conversations that I curate and the way that I teach. And what stands out to me is that when I share them, when I will hear back from you, like I remember distinctly one woman who DM'd and this was months ago when COVID was first happening and uh, quarantine and I was talking about, I I just did a, a shout out to any of my women who were single. And I was like, I am hearing from so many of you in my DMs. There are so many in my personal life amongst my best friends. And I'm sure I'm only hearing from a fraction of you in in my DMs that as much as everyone is complaining about being home with their kids and we acknowledge that that is so hard, it is also really hard to be home completely alone and to not have that and to feel very lonely and to not know when you will get that again, et cetera. And the number of women that I heard from that were like, thank you for sharing that because everyone in my life is married and a mom. And I've really been like, oh, it's so hard to be a mom. And it's so hard to have all these people around. And I just didn't have anyone in my life to remind me There's also people that are really lonely at this time. There's also people that would give anything to have a husband and kids as wild as it is rather than feel like, you know, they're alone and they don't know when they'll have someone. She was just like, thank you for giving me that empathy. So because of that, I want to give you a snapshot of what are some of the biggest things when I asked you, what are you holding your breath over? What are you feeling like? Because I have no idea when or how this is all going to end. This is the number one thing that I have a pit in my stomach about. This is the number one thing that I just, I keep replaying in my head and I'm trying to figure out. And if you could tell me this one answer, it would, oh, it would just make my life feel so much easier if I knew when this was going to be able to happen or if this one thing could, could be okay in my life. Now, there's a chunk of us who like me, there is nothing huge. There was a, 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 about 10% of people, which I've said from the start, Jeremy and I have been in the the most blessed 10% all all throughout this journey that I felt like I just saw all the hard things that were happening and that for the most part, we were inoculated from those. So there are some of you that are with us in the 10%. Mostly you replied that the thing you're holding your breath over is travel, just like joyful travel, travel for a birthday or an anniversary or a honeymoon you haven't gotten to go on. And I'm with you. That is such a bummer. But I think we can all agree that that is nothing compared to the struggles that the other 90% uh, reported. So 
If you are with me in that blessed 10%, let us just remember uh, we are blessed and keep our friends and sisters in these other categories in mind. So the number one answer far and away was school. And I think one of the reasons school is so big is because it, it carry, crosses over so many demographics. For many of you, it's will my kids go back and how does that affect my work? You have small kids at home and that is just so complex trying to do distance learning and working from home. Some of you, it's that you have older kids and you're really worried with how will this affect them. They're, they're missing their senior year. This was their last chance ever to play their sport. They are There's just constant pressure in our household because they want to be spending time with their friends and do we think that's safe and so like it's just this constant battle um some it is uh you're college students and you're or or you're going into graduate school and you're not sure is it going to be in person or not am i moving or not do i get an apartment do i not am i going to get to go be around community am i still living where i'm living and then of course we also have teachers who just so many of you reported that you feel so unsafe you feel almost violated that you know that in order to maintain your job, you would go into an environment that you feel personally unsafe at, that other people have gotten to decide. And yet because of the economy, the way it's at, it's not like you could go get another job. Um, So just a lot of weight over that. That was the most common area. The next most common answer was work. Whether you are out of work and your industry was was hard hit, there are so many that were in uh, wedding and events, any of my actors and performers, musicians, events, uh, yeah, I already said events, but like there's just so many industries that it's completely dead until there is a wild change in this Again, I don't want to say the V word, but whatever it is, guys, I don't know what the magic pill is, but whatever the thing is. Um, Then there was folks that were already out of work. One of my best friends um, has been in this scenario. They were already out of work before this. And so then when suddenly it's even harder to get jobs and you already were trying to look for placement, it just feels like, oh my gosh, I was in such a horrible position to begin with. People that are struggling with not having insurance um, because of their lack of work, that's just devastating, of course, in a time when people are afraid of getting sick to then also not have insurance, not being sure what's going to happen with unemployment benefits. Are they going to be extended? Can you qualify for it? Or is the government you know, giving these other supplementations. Um, and, and so you're constantly waiting for that. And then a lot of my fellow entrepreneurs that have small businesses that are hit, that they're, you know, that you were in that wedding industry or events industry um, in some way and just your your income has dried up or it has not bounced back to where it was and you don't know how much longer you, your business can survive at that level. So then you're trying to figure out what to do. So work is huge. The next three biggest categories were, are babies, weddings, and loved ones far away. There are so many of you that are struggling in the kid category, whether that is you are pregnant now and things like, am I, do I have to give birth without my doula? Do I, am I going to have the support that I thought to actually be able to, uh, you know, in the in the room? Is my family going to be able to see the baby? Can my parents come? Will the baby be able to see its grandparents? Will I be able to see my grandchild? Um, we're in a similar position with my sister 
being pregnant um, and do this fall. A lot of people unsure if they should get pregnant. You are planning to have your first baby. You're planning to have baby number two. And you're just really feeling unsure if this is a safe environment to conceive in or, or what, you know, what would the hospitals be like? You would really love to know if you, you know, again, if we all had this magic uh, vision into the future and you knew when it would end and you're like, okay, it is going to be wrapped up in six months. Great. Let's get on it. <laughs> and then a few months after that, I'll go to the hospital. Everything will be fine. But we don't know that. Two huge um, categories, too, that I don't think enough people are talking about that I've been aware of is adoptions that are on pause and what that process looks like to be, you know, meeting children, to be traveling to get children, to be getting children on planes and all of that. And also IVF. When will IVF treatments be available again? Um, is it safe to go into these centers? Are they just simply not offering them? People who are worried about the timing of, you know, am, am I am I going to be another ca- ca- calendar age by the time I can do this? What is my egg count going to be? We, we were halfway through. We weren't able to move into the implantation phase. Like, what you know, there's just so much complexity around that. Weddings are their own whole thing. What if my best friends just got engaged and is now part of these, um, you know, this this COVID bride scenario where a lot of brides have already rescheduled their wedding and I don't know if they have to cancel it again. You aren't sure if you should plan it. It is planned. You aren't sure if you should cancel it. You aren't sure if you should go. You feel like you're missing out because you don't think you should get on the plane. Um, so much around that. Loved ones far away. This is, you know, families that you have to get on a plane or you have to go abroad. Maybe you aren't allowed into the country or vice versa. Long distance romantic relationships. Um, elderly family that is alone. So you want to go see them. And yet you're also concerned about infecting them. And if you don't have the ability to say, I'm going to go there, I'm going to quarantine for two weeks, then I'm going to go see them. I'm going to be gone for a whole month. I can afford a place to stay. I mean, there is a lot around that that not everyone's in a position to be able to do. Uh, Another pretty substantial category was moving. Um, This is something that has been really prevalent in New York. Uh, So many of our friends have either moved out of the city permanently or temporarily And then those who are out of the city, not being sure when they will come back or under what circumstances. But there was also some other ones, like people who moved for a job, then lost the job. And now they're trying to figure out, do I stay in the city? Because I'm the... the you know, I wasn't here for this reason anymore. And now it's hard. Like, what, where would be a better city to move to for employment? Um, we we were going to move, but now we don't know which place is safer. Like, we were going to move from this country or this state, but now we're torn. Should we put that on pause because that place is less safe? We were ready to sell our house. Our house had just gone on the market. We're totally ready to move and it's not selling. And so now we can't leave. Uh, One woman said she won the green card lottery and it will expire if she isn't allowed to, to move into that country or leave that country um, by, I think it was a time in November. Just such really specific examples that I hadn't previously thought of. And I think just looking at all of that complexity helps us to just remember how many hard, hard things there are going on. I mentioned being single earlier. That's another category that I have such a heart for. Not only just the loneliness of being single this time, but really specifically, how and when will I be able to date again? How do I meet people? Is this just going to mean there's a year or two of my life that I just lost? And then specifically for women who are are, uh, at, at a certain age, this real feeling of, 
is, I mean, I, one of my best friends has been like, I think this has probably closed the door on my having a biological baby because the odds at this point with my age that once this is over and then I meet someone and then we fall in love and da 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 she's like, it was already looking kind of slim, but this feels like it was just the, you know, sort of sort of last straw. Um, and so that's an extra added pressure on it as well. And then some uh, final smaller categories, people who are not happy in their current job, uh, whether they feel unsafe going back to the office. That was a few people that are just in total panic because they don't want to be forced to go back in um, or they don't know when they're going to be asked to go back in. This has been some of my girlfriends. When do I Right now, I'm outside of New York. How much notice will I be given before I come back? And I don't, I can't really plan because at any point I could be told I need to be back in a week or two. So I'm not really in control of wanting to stay at my parents where I have more space or I've given up my apartment or whatever. Or then they're just unhappy in their job but feel they can't quit. They were just about to quit their job. They wanted to change industries. And all of a sudden, this happened. And now it feels like it would be so hard and so irresponsible to you know, find another job. Um, also, people in grief. Obviously, we have, uh, you know, funerals and memorial services that are being missed. And even preemptive grief, um, you know, having a grandparent that uh, you you feel like could pass away. And if it wasn't for COVID, you would be going to, to see them. You would be spending extra time with them. And instead, you you aren't allowed into the nursing home or, you know, you, you live uh, states away. And one woman in particular said one of her best friends lost her husband and she wants to go be with her. And then she they wanted to like go on a trip together. And so not being able to be physically present for someone in grief, that really was just a powerful story to me. And the last example I'll share is someone who's trying to get a divorce. And she said, will the courts open up so that we can file? And I thought that's just such a hard thing to be going through anyways. And then to feel like your lack of closure is being denied because you just can't physically get to the courthouse. One of my very best friends went through a divorce earlier this year and it hit me reading this. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad that she got that wrapped up because already it had been such a hard thing for her to walk through for a year that on top of it to feel like it had been dragged out during this process. So I just hope that hearing these stories, there was at least one or a few of them that uh, made you pause and say, you know, I hadn't thought of someone going through that and that we can just in this time have extra empathy and compassion and understanding. Really remember whether we are going through an incredibly hard time or we are incredibly blessed with where we're at, that there are so many people that are struggling and that we can just have extra compassion. We've talked on Instagram about how I think we are in so much pain that we are lashing out more in our comments and our DMs and there's more panic. So we're feeling more divisive around masks and, you know, around the V word. And if we can just picture that this person that I'm about to give my strong opinion to is going through one of these things, maybe it would just make me say, you know what, she probably doesn't need a stranger yelling at her right now. It doesn't mean that I'm I'm not entitled to my own beliefs or my own feelings, but she's going through a really, really hard battle as well. And I just want to challenge myself to have nothing come out of my mouth that is not in kindness and compassion for what a hard time that she's going through. Because underneath all of that, She's also beating herself up for not being productive. And when you hear these stories, I imagine you would say to every one of these women, girl, I am so 
proud of you. Look at what a hard thing you are holding your breath through. This is so much to carry and so much to hold. You're doing amazing. You are absolutely doing enough. Not only is this time unprecedented, but at all times you're doing enough. And if you could say that to her, then you can say it to yourself as well. And I surely say it to you. I am so proud of you and you are absolutely doing enough. Till next Wednesday.